At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure that I have special guest Christopher Mitchell come on the show today and discuss the pivotal role that Florida as a swing state may serve in, the 20, in determining the, the outcome of the 2020 election. Our guest graduated from the University of Tampa with a degree in management. Previously, Mitchell served as the chair of the Democratic Party for Hillsborough County. He also worked as a political director and consultant for Florida Dems House Victory for the Florida Democratic Party. In March of 2018, Mitchell founded Statecraft Digital, whose mission is to serve as a holistic, digital communications agency and strategic partner to candidates, political organizations, nonprofits, and movements. Mitchell currently serves as the organization's managing partner. Statecraft Digital is committed to supportive positive change in our communities and across the nation by broadening resources and crafting messages that cut through the digital noise. Its goals are simple, elections and seeing that progressive policies are enacted. It's a great pleasure that I welcome Chris Mitchell to the show. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. Chris. Hey, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's pleasure a pleasure to be on. on. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And I, I, I know it's a busy week right now. And I just want to thank you for coming on today to talk about the topic of Florida and its role in the election and, and what we're going to see next week and beyond. And I guess my first question I want to ask you is, what's your prediction, personally? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, uh, first, it's, it's great to be on, Jason, uh, and great to chat. You know, we go we go way back to our to college days. And uh, so it's, it's, it's great to great to catch up. Uh, you know, I'll say this. I'll start with Jason, the fact that the anxiety is at a ultimate high for, I think, so many of us. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, someone that's been in the trenches as long as I have, you know, I, I'm still suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder of 2016 election. I think a lot <laughs> of us, <laughs> I think a lot of us, including myself, went into that election extremely overconfident. Um, you know, we 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 had this 
uh, arrogance that um, that there's no way the America would elect someone like Donald Trump. And I think that gave us a false sense of hope. And we took a lot of things for granted that we're not doing this cycle in this election. And as you know, the last few weeks have looked promising for us. And when I say us, I'm talking about it from the Democratic side of things. You know, things are looking uh, encouraging, but there's still some things that are, are troubling and things we have to address. You know, right now, Democrats in the state of Florida around as well as around the country have run up the score when it comes to vote by mail. Right. But Republicans have been making a very strong push in these final days during early voting. And we're expecting a large turnout on Election Day to close that gap. You know, there's a lot of questions when you ask, what is my prediction and and how what plays into that right now? I think one thing that we took for granted or the Democrats didn't fully understand maybe was that you've got to understand the rules of the game, Jason, right? And there is no doubt that Joe Biden is going to get the popular vote. So on election night, when it's all said and done, he will have the most votes across the nation. Unfortunately, that is not how we elect our presidents. And so we elect our presidents by electoral votes and how people turn out in those individual states to cast their vote. Right now, it is extremely close in Florida. It is extremely close in Pennsylvania. It is closer than I would like it in Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona. And it is extremely close in Georgia, which I think that's a good sign for us, but still a state that is likely still to go Trump. I think at the end of the day, Jason, we will, you know, Joe Biden will be uh, our next president, but it could go either way. I'm not as bullish as some of these people in these polls would tell you that they are, but there's a lot of things that give me hope. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of that, but one of it is the 350 to 400% increase in under 30 vote that did not exist in 2016. And there's a lot of reasons I think for that, but uh, I'm sure we can get into that. Sure. Uh, You know, that's great because I agree with you. I do think that Biden's going to win from my personal perspective as well, I actually had a, had a premonition that we were going to, I, I get premonitions sometimes. And since we're talking about the election, I'll actually talk this for the first time on my show, but I had a premonition back in like May or June that Biden would win. It was basically like a, a dream type thing where I saw TV coverage of the election 2020 that were read last time that we were horrified by, because I'm a Democrat as well. I'm not, I'm not shy in sharing my viewpoints. I think uh, everything we're living in right now, we need to. But I felt that we would take back the Senate, the House, and the presidency. And I thought that there would be so much of uh, support for Biden that Florida might not even be as pivotal of the role as in the past, because I feel like Biden will likely take Arizona. I feel like he'll take the Midwest with Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, and Pennsylvania. And when you take all those states plus the one Hillary one, I think that pushes him well above to 270 mark that we need. So, and I also yeah, think you're, you're in the, there you're might in even, the 280s at yeah. that point. Yeah, and I also and, and think because I've been playing with this. No, I was going to say that's the thing is 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 Joe Biden doesn't need to win Florida to win the presidency, and uh, exactly. Donald Trump does. Uh, there's a lot more pathways for Joe Biden at this point than there is Donald Trump. You know, the fact that the president, uh, you know, earlier this week was um, in Nebraska and his vice president was in South Carolina and in North Carolina, while, you know, Joe Biden was in Georgia. 
is a very, very telling sign of where the election is. Right now, the Joe, Joe Biden campaign feels like they have a lot more pathways than Donald Trump does. And the Trump campaign is really, I think, playing the long game, meaning that they, are, they feel like their pathways only extend to where it's a very close election, and they're able to um, essentially contest the election and play the other avenues that could get him to possibly be reelected. Uh, you know, scary thought within itself, and and uh, you know that's that's a whole different conversation around what what it will look like if if the election isn't decided on election night. But um, that might be too scary for your listeners. <laughs> so. Well, I'll say this: uh, time I watched the election in 2016, somebody you know, um, our friend Melissa Carroll, was watching it with me, and when we watched the results, we both yeah. started crying because it was that bad. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll ask you this: looking at where we are right now and today. I know, looking at the polling, Biden's ahead. Last time I checked, there was a CNN poll that came out this morning showing Biden ahead by four points within the margin of error against Trump in Florida. What I want to ask you is, how accurate do you think the polls are this time around as compared to four years ago? Yeah, so I think it's important to understand that polling is a tool. And for a lot of us that work in politics, we don't necessarily look at the horse race, right? We look at where are people moving in that poll? Where are the opportunities? You know, right now, Biden is doing a lot better with, Hil- uh, with, with older white voters than Hillary Clinton did, right? He, he's performing a lot better with Republicans than Hillary did. And so, you know, you're looking at where these movements are, and that's why, you know, uh, Donald Trump and some of these states have not, had, not been leading in a poll you know, for a few weeks. And so if you take all the averages of the poll, Jason, which, which I tend to look at, all the averages, you see this consistency of Biden being ahead. And so even as the polls are tightening, one of the you've got to realize is people are voting, right? So you're banking those margins or that, those votes. And so it's a little bit harder to overcome because the mathematics aren't necessarily on your side. And so that's why you have in the final days of an election, this huge push to get out your base, to get out that vote that you know you can count on that will be there for you. And so right now in the state of Florida, Democrats have an edge over Republicans by about 207,000 votes, right, as of today. Wow. A lot of that is by vote by mail, where they are outperforming Republicans um, in the neighborhood of close to 600,000 votes. Um, but early vote, so people that have voted early, in-person voting, Republicans have an advantage um, there of, of close to 350,000 votes. And so, you know, Republicans are, are, are catching up. And so that has a lot of us concerned, um, especially with down-ballot races. You know, that's the other concern when we talk about the Senate we talk about our state legislative races, which a lot of races that um, my firm works on. And what are, how long are those coattails? You know, even if you have a lot of Republicans, which I do feel like there is a good uh, percentage more than usual, vote for Joe Biden, do they come back home? Meaning, do they vote for the president and then they come back and vote for the Republicans down ballot? You know, and so you've got to factor a lot of those in as, we, as we're looking and where do we spend our resources. If the election was over today, Jason, at this moment, Joe Biden would win Florida walking away, right? <laughs> but we still have five days and Republicans are go- closing the gap. So if you live in the state of Florida, heck, if you live anywhere, right, and you haven't voted yet, 
you need to make a plan to vote because the other side is coming out and they're coming out pretty strong and they're closing whatever gaps or margins we've ramped up. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. Looking at, see, here's how I look at Florida. Would you agree that if Biden wins Florida and it's determined on Tuesday night that Trump's path to the White House is basically reduced significantly? Yes. I think I would guarantee, and I don't make a lot of guarantees in politics, that <laughs> if Donald Trump wins Florida, I mean, if, if, President, if, if Joe Biden wins Florida, he wins the White House. And so I, I think right now you have two categories of states that we're looking at as kind of key leaves on election night to know how the election goes. The states that are allowed to count their ballots prior to election day and the states that are not. And why is that important? We have a record amount of people voting by mail this election for obvious reasons, the pandemic, things that are going on, they're voting by mail more. And so in states like Pennsylvania, they're not able to count those ballots that are basically sitting in their office and warehouses until election day. And so it's going to take Pennsylvania a few days to be able to tally up all of those votes. So when you hear the president talk at these rallies and start having this long conversation about, you know, we should, you know, we should be able to declare victory on election night. We should only count the votes that are counted on election day. It's because his base <laughs> is voting on election day and enduring early votes. And so in states like Pennsylvania, you're not going to know the outcome. But here's the good thing is that states like Florida, you will. So we will know or have a very good idea by 9 or 10 o'clock on election night who's going to win Florida. Because right now, as we speak, people are counting votes as they come in in the state of Florida. And Arizona is another state like that. So once Arizona, and that's, and that's a ball game. If, if we know that Biden's going to win Florida and he's going to win Arizona, likelihood is that he swept Michigan uh, he swept uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, and that, that's the ball game. And so we will have a very good idea of why or who's won the election. I'll also say this for your listeners that tend to agree with us on our political side of the, of the aisle, is we need this to be a blowout. And we I need agree. it to be a blowout, not from an optic standpoint, but from a legal logistical standpoint, Jason. Um, yeah. If this is close, yeah. if this is close, Donald Trump has already started to set in place and in motion to be a to file lawsuits and challenge the results. And let me let me give you a doomsday scenario that is scary to think about, but is extremely realistic. And people are talking about it happening if it's close. You take a state like Pennsylvania that we will not know the decision of who they've uh, voted for unless it's a blowout on election night. And so as votes come in and, and Trump has a lead on election day or election night uh, in Pennsylvania, and as votes come in, meaning they're being counted, Joe Biden continues to chip, chip, chip away or takes the lead at some point. The Trump administration at that point is going to file a lawsuit. He's going to probably have his DOJ file an investigation that's saying this is voter fraud. You know, how could I how could I possibly be losing this election when I won it, quote unquote, on election night? And then what happens? You have this dispute with with the state and then it goes to the state legislature 
where the state legislature, which is controlled by Republicans, could say, listen, there, there, there's voter fraud going on. We can't determine who if this we can't trust these results. So as the state legislature, we have the sole power to appoint electors, and therefore we're going to appoint electors and give them to Donald Trump. Now, you take that scenario in Pennsylvania, you take that scenario elsewhere with controlled by Republican legislatures, even in Florida, and now you have a pathway electorally to the White House, and it's legal. There's nothing wrong with it. It's in the Constitution. The Constitution clearly gives the power of the state to to decide who the electors are. And this is why, you know, we might call the president stupid, we might call him idiotic, but they're playing the long game here. Why do you think they rush <laughs> why do, why do you think why do you think they rushed the Supreme Court nominee through? They wanted to stack you on they the court easily, for that. They could have they could have easily confirmed her after the election. They still would have had the Senate. He still would have been president regardless of the election. They wanted her on the, on the bench to, if any of this went to the Supreme Court, she would be a deciding factor. And so these are the scenarios that keep me up at night and keep us stressed out. So when I come back to my point when I made earlier, when I say this needs to be a blowout, this needs to be a blowout. If you would ask me, under the old rules, everything above board, Joe Biden going to win this election? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But knowing what I know and how this me- mechanically can work, if our voters and Democrats don't show up and do not vote in overwhelming numbers to where the margins are undeniable, this president will use whatever pathway he can to maintain and keep power. Do not think it is above board or above him to do that. This president has shown repeatedly that he is unorthodox. He does not recognize norms and traditions. He does not care about the values of this nation. He wants to maintain control and power, and his party leaders are going to do whatever they need to to make sure he maintains it. So I say that all to just make sure you get out and vote because we need to make sure that we we win this and it's in a convincing fashion. Otherwise, um, if we give the president any wiggle room, he could use uh, a lot of things at his disposal to essentially steal this election. Looking at yeah. everything that's happened in the last four years between Black Lives Matter and all the protests that have happened with that, women's rights, the Me Too movement, everything with shootings we've witnessed with Pulse and, and just all these different situations. Do you think that we will see a large outcome motivated because of these various issues and events that affect people on an individual basis as compared to prior elections where people are like, I'll stand this one out, COVID, I'll just stay home and whoever wins, wins. I think people are really looking at it from all or nothing. And I want to ask you about that. What impact do you think these social movements have on the election and the electorate and the changing body, the demographics? of likely voters, first-time voters, all those kind of things. How do you think that's going to affect Florida? I, I think it's the ballgame. I think it's the ballgame. If you're looking at the numbers returning, the, you, know, you, you look at uh, March for Our Lives, you look at the Black Lives Matter movement and protest, you look at all these social, you know, it, it seems like a long time ago, but it wasn't, you know, uh, Me No More movement or the Me Too movement. You know, all of this it compounds 
and, and builds an energy and a base for change. And I think that as much crap as we want to talk about the younger millennials and the Gen Zs, they're showing up. I mean, that is, that is the underlying story of this election at the moment, is the amount of under 30 votes that has shown up. And the majority of that vote is heading towards the Democratic Party. And that has to be because, and if you talk to some of these young folks, you know, they, they understand that, you know, their future and their lives are on the line impacted by these votes or by who's in charge. And, and so I think that they have come out in force. I think that they have used technology to be able to easily mobilize and to understand and process information. And, you know, it's very encouraging as much as they get crapped on <laughs> how they are coming out, having their voice heard um, and, and showing up. And I think that that's going to be the difference in this election if it continues. And that's extremely encouraging. And I think Absolutely. that, you know, that, that could be the difference maker, not only in who we send to the White House, but also, you know, how we you know, keep them voting Democrat down the ballot. I, w I will say this, you know, say it's a great night for us and, and, we, and we have great victories across the, across the country. I will say, you know, my warning to everyone is that these under 30 kids are not as ideological as people would like them to be, right? And I think that they're going to be the ones that hold people accountable. And so, you know, I, I've, I've, I've spoke about this before to my party is that we've got to be very, very cognizant that they might be with us now, but if we don't deliver and we don't implement the kind of change that they're looking for, then they're going to go elsewhere. The, the good thing is that right now they have nowhere else to go because the other party is so extreme that you have five out of the last six Republican nominees for president not supporting this president, right? And when that happens, yeah. that, tells, that tells me that that party is so extreme. And so I think in, in the wake of what happens, you know, we've got to be very cognizant of that. You know, campaigning is about promise. Governing is about achievement. Um, and don't think for a second the latter isn't the hardest. When it comes to the coalition that Biden looks like he's trying to assemble here of the voters. What yeah. Biden in this election and how will their impact, you think, how will their, their role impact the election overall, you think? Well, I think, you know, the one area that um, Biden is doing a lot better than Hillary Clinton did is with older white voters. And I think there's a multitude of reasons for that. But I think that, you know, kind of going back to also a little bit of the last question, too, I think I think you have this situation where, you know, you had two candidates in 2016 where I think a lot of people went into that vote, that ballot box or, you know, when they went to go vote and they were like, heck, how bad could it be? Or, you know, I really just don't like the, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, or they found a reason to vote for Donald Trump. I think a lot of those people come back home, Jason. I, I've talked with a lot of folks that have volunteered to me. Um, I'm very outspoken, as you know, about where I am politically. 
and them telling me and just volunteering without me asking that, hey, you know, I'm, I voted for Joe Biden this time around. You know, I just couldn't vote for, for Donald Trump again. I voted for him in 2016. And I think a lot of people are doing that. And it's being and it's shown in the polling, especially with uh, older white uh, white folks. There There is this groundswell of, like we just mentioned, the under 30 coalitions that that the, that they've been able to tap into you know the black community is is coming out strong uh, for Joe Biden and you know I think the one area of concern is the Hispanic community where especially in Florida Donald Trump has been able to really beat this socialist drum and you know for a lot of older Hispanics that is a really sensitive subject to them and so I he's he's made some inroads there but I think all in all, I think that a lot of people, we call them the Obama-Trump voter, have now come back to, to Biden. And so if that's the case, you know, that's why you see him competitive in some of these states like Georgia and Texas, where a Democrat normally does not perform well. And so, you know, you could have a situation where he could win Georgia. Imagine if Joe Biden wow. wins Georgia. I mean, that, that, that is something that we're <laughs> yeah. talking about five days out from the election. Sure, it's cute to talk about it two months, three months out. You get some, you get some promising polling. But, you know, the, the last poll that came out of Georgia, Biden was up by two. And so, you know, you, you see these coalition of people coming together, and it's not even about policy. You know, there, there have been countless Republicans that have, you know, pledged their support to Joe Biden that have been lifelong Republicans and never voted for a Democrat. I mean, you have an entire organization called the Lincoln Project that is made up of some of the top Republican, yeah, made up of some of the top Republican consultants, right, in the game, basically going against their own party's nominee and supporting Joe Biden and spending millions and millions of dollars to help him do that. And so... I think we're at a point for a lot of people that they're tired of the childishness. They're tired of, of what he represents um, and then wanting to put, you know, country over party. And I think that's where a lot of people are at this moment. I'm very optimistic, but at the same time, I understand that this could go sideways just like 2016. What do you think about Florida Amendment 4? the voter voting rights restoration for felons initiative that was passed in 2018. How is yeah. that going to work in terms of this election? I know there's issues in terms of paying restitution that are keeping people from being able to actually benefit who are convicted felons uh, to get their ex felons to get their rights restored. And I think there's about 1.4 million individuals that fall under that category in Florida. How, do you think that could impact this election, if at all? Well, I think it has impacted it from from the standpoint of that, that voting that voting block being able to exercise their rights. Um, you know, the, the state legislature, you know, passed essentially what was a poll tax led by Representative Jamie Grant from Hillsborough County, um, and uh, you know that clogged the wheel up, and so you had. Um, you know, us calling foul, it got caught up in the courts. Um, you know, we got some favorable rulings and then we got, uh, the last one that was not favorable. Um, but what a lot of local state attorney offices, like, you know, for instance, one in Hillsborough, state attorney, Andrew Warren 
has done what is called rocket docket. So being essentially able to transfer those fines or fees or whatever's left into community service hours, right? If they show an ability not to be able to pay it. And if you've been in jail for any amount of time, you, you don't have any type of wealth, right? The majority of these people don't sure. are, are broke coming out of jail. So they don't have the means to pay it. Um, and so that essentially now becomes a poll tax to rep to, to essentially, you know, exercise your right. And so there are a lot of people or a lot of um, folks that are trying to, you know, pay these fines off to convert these into community service hours and get them to be able to exercise their rights. Um, I think that we'll see this long term to be a benefit, but the Republicans have done everything they can to stifle this. But there will be there will be some impacts felt by by Amendment 4, just not maybe at the level we were hoping coming out of 2018. One of the commentators on, I don't know, CNN, NBC, I've actually looked at Fox News sometimes, see what the other side's talking about. But I saw a report where someone was saying that Sumter County in Florida might be an early indicator of how the state might go because it's, I think it's up by the villages. And if we yeah. have Biden leading or if Trump's lead is a lot less than 2016, that might be a harbinger of things to go, a sign of things that you know, by 10 o'clock that night, we might know as early as 7 o'clock how things might go if Sumter County doesn't go fully and wholeheartedly for Trump like it did in 2016. I was going to ask you, what do you think about that? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's a very great point. I mean, if, 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 if Biden is pulling or if the results are coming in and Biden's above 37 percent in Sumter County, Donald Trump's in trouble. If you look at a county like Pasco and he's above 42 percent, Donald Trump's in trouble, right? And so... Those are the states you look at because they have older white voters. You know, Joe Biden has been able to expand on Hillary Clinton's base of support, right? And so, you know, you factor in a base that we were not honestly expecting to have. That could be the difference in, in this election. You've got to think that, you know, Hillary Clinton didn't get blown out, right? You know, she lost... Wisconsin by 50, or by 41,000 votes. She <laughs> lost Wisconsin and Michigan combined by 72,000 votes, right? And that, those are not a lot of votes when you're talking about millions of people voting. You know, in, in, in 2012, Barack Obama won Florida by about, I think, 60,000 votes. Donald Trump won it by 110,000. And so, you know... Not a you're talking on the margins of people being able to be able to swing. And so if you're losing a higher percent of your base, if you're losing a block voter block, even if it's by, you know, three, four, 5% that you had in 2016, those all add up, Jason, and could really be devastating for the president on election. And so if you see Absolutely. results come in on Sumner County and Joe Biden's in the forties, put those champagne bottles on ice. <laughs> because that, that's we can gonna finally be, start that's gonna be very after four years <laughs> yeah, i mean that's going to be very depressing news for the president because you can't survive that <laughs> how about covid the one thing yeah. that he is continuously trying to just shoo away shoo away like a mosquito in a room get out of here get out of here get out of here but it's not <laughs> it's a it's an act of nature that we can't see and and can't control unless we take some responsible measures of social distancing, wearing a mask, washing your hands, don't go to mass gatherings. Yeah. 
history is going to be very cool to Trump, I think, especially when he loses the election, that he had these mass COVID spreader events, super spreader events throughout the country during the middle of our, our deadliest pandemic in over 100 years. And I'm yeah. hoping that they're, you know, I was going to say, I'm hoping people have common sense when they look at this stuff and that they're not so entranced by Trumpism that they'll look at their, their families, they'll look at their lives, and they'll, I mean, pe- all these people have died. All their families are adversely impacted. That might be a thing that we don't really see as pronounced right now that we'll see after Election Day that may have truly made an impact on the vote. What do you think of that? Well, yeah, I mean, that's why you're seeing him slipping with older white folks, because, you know, obviously this, this disease has affected um, everyone, but definitely those that are older in, in age. You know, I, I will say this. When the pandemic started, you know, Donald Trump could have been reelected pretty easily if he had managed this pandemic the way 95% of the other world leaders did, right? And, you know, instead, he went the route that he did where it was about him and how he was perceived to be looked and wasn't about listening to the scientists, the doctors, um, and, and doing the things necessary to, one, make sure that when we went into lockdown, we did it right, um, we did it at the proper length, and then prepare for us to come out of that lockdown, restart our economy, be able to help the businesses that were hurting, the families that were hurting. He didn't do all that. He was focused on the day-to-day news cycle of how is this look, looking for me. And so in doing that, he didn't take any responsibility. What did he do, Jason? He lashed out at China. China's the problem. The China virus. <laughs> Right. What do you do about the lockdown? Well, we don't need to be this disease isn't as terrible as they say it is. Don't listen to the scientists. We should we need to get the economy back to work. We need to get these businesses started. Don't worry about these these clusters that are popping up or the spikes that are happening in in states, primarily red states. Don't 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 pay attention to that. You know, and then as we got into this election, it's it's, you know, we're done with the pandemic. You know, the pandemic's over. You know, this is just like catching a flu. And that's all good rhetoric if your grandparents not dying or sick from it, or if your friend's not dead from it, or if your business did not just go out of business and the government wasn't able to help you. Those are all fines until it affects your life and your world. And politics, for all the noise, is still very personal. And when something affects you and you know beyond a reasonable doubt that what that guy is saying is complete and utter BS, then that, then that shapes what you're going to do or how you're going to vote or how you're processing that information. And like I said, we're only talking, Jason, on the margins here. That's all yeah. Biden needs to win. We're not, we're not talking about changing the hearts and minds of millions. Right. We're only talking about those people that voted for Obama, but then decided to vote for Donald Trump. And now they're coming back home. And then you pepper in the under 30 vote that is coming out. I mean, I'm still just taken back by that by 350 percent. I mean, over. Yeah, we've been waiting. Well, we've been waiting waiting for quite a young vote forever. Yeah. Yeah. But, but let's be clear. Let's be clear on, on one more point. Regardless if Donald Trump gets reelected, history is not going to be kind to him, Jason. 
Like that is the one solace that we will be able to to take with us. The second point is you know, Donald Trump could have been reelected easily if he had just listened to the doctors, the scientists, his scientific advisors, if he had listened to what they were recommending, if they were he'd be listening to his economic advisors on how to rebuild the economy, what to do with cash infusion, infusion and stimulus for businesses. Donald Trump would be winning this election. It doesn't matter who the nominee on our side would have been, but he didn't. What do you think is going to be the greatest danger when Trump loses? I talk in the positive, like he's gone, he's done, he's going to lose. See, that's just how I want to see it in my head until it happens, because I believe thoughts are things. So if you think there's an iffy part of it, then that can make it iffy. So I just stay on the yeah. side of he's losing. It's, it's a landslide, God willing, he's losing. But if it's not a landslide, however, Biden does become the next president, number 46. How do you think the peaceful transition of power issue is going to factor into this whole equation? The militias, all these yeah. white supremacists, all those. What do you think? I mean, I mean I'm worried about power. it, Jason. I mean, I mean, I'm worried about it. I, I honestly, I try not to think about it because I have enough anxiety going on five days out from election. <laughs> But I think one of the greatest, let me start with this. I think one of the greatest traditions that we have as a nation that is extremely overlooked is the concession speech that is made by the person who loses the election. And in that speech, you go back and, you know, if some of your listeners have time, go back and pull up some of concession speech made. Um, John McCain, George, George, uh, the first one, George Bush, the, the senior. Uh, when he lost, uh, you know, got upset by Bill Clinton. Go back and watch those. And those speeches are so important because they bring the country back together. They talk about how we are as a nation, how this nation was built on people disagreeing and coming together for a common cause, accepting the outcome of the voters' will, accepting the outcome and supporting the newly elected president. My One of my biggest fears, Jason, is that we're not going to hear that from Donald Trump. Those words will never come out of his damn mouth. And that is only going to fuel and put gas on the fire that is burning right now, that Trump has given a voice to so many of these groups that have been put in the shadow, feel like they can come out of the shadow, that they, they, they now they feel like they have a seat at the table. And I am very worried about what the next two months are going to look like if this election is close. Hence why I go back. This needs to be a blowout. There needs to be no I mean, doubt. I agree with you. And, and if the Electoral College, if Joe Biden wins it, he gets the, gets the seal of approval stamped. He's the next president. And the president doesn't want to leave office or is trying to do a left, y, F, you know, <laughs> you know, X, Y, and Z of things to, to stay in there, then uh, let, me, let me be the first to tell you that one way or another, uh, he'll be leaving the White House, whether being carried out or, you know, going out in a car, <laughs> he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll be removed from, from, that, that, from that building. It's what he does prior to this election being constitutionally certified is the scary part. And I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it's it's going to be really damning for Joe Biden's administration and ability to do work and to get things done and bring the government or the country back together. 
because because Donald Trump will not be a willing participant in that process. And there, you know, if you have a second, you know, go listen to John McCain, McCain's concession speech. It's a powerful Absolutely. speech. It was one of the most powerful speeches. You know, listen to George W. Bush's speech in the Rose Garden the next day when he talked about, you know, Barack Obama. You know, remember the time when John McCain, you know, told that lady, stopped her in yeah. that sentence? He's not a Muslim. Yeah. He, he's a fine family man. We just happen to disagree on a variety of issues, but he loves this country. He loves his family. And no, he's not a Muslim. He's not a terrorist. We have a president now, That's Jason, we need. that fears that shit. He fuels it. He embraces it. Yeah. He retreats it, <laughs> you know? And but, that is the difference. And that's where we're at. And I think that's why, at the end of the day, so many Americans might not politically or agree with, with Joe Biden on everything, but they understand that he understands what, what makes us all Americans and the values that we hold as a nation. And that, you know, Donald Trump is is a threat to who we are as a nation, to our core values. My personal feeling when I see Trump, anytime he's on TV and he scowls, and he has a hateful look on his face and he's always pointing things. and He does that thing with his hands where he kind of looks like he's juggling or something. Get so frustrated. <laughs> and I'm praying to God, uh, like like Obama said yeah. in one of his rally speeches the other day. Wouldn't it be great if we could wake up and have a day? where we don't have to hear about Twitter and we don't have to see anything disruptive for 24 hours. Can you imagine what that'll be like again? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it's like Joe Biden, it's like Joe Biden will be our national Xanax, you know, calm everything down, (laughs) put away our anxiety, you know, like we wake up to this clown every day and, you know, it's not like he even has moments of brilliance. Like, it's just one day, you know, his goal is to dominate that news cycle. It's not, you know, it's not the, the, the economic uh, empowerment of, of, of our citizens helping those work their way up the social ladder um, and being able to provide for their families. It's none of that. It's, you know, what, what, what is today looking like for me? And, you know, it's a very unfortunate situation. In terms of but your personal, I will background. say this. Go ahead, sorry. We can we can we can we can fix all that in five days if you guys will just go out and vote. <laughs> we'll have the final. How has it been for you personally? Because I know you're well known as a as a, a high up in the Democratic Party for Florida. How's it been for you personally the last four years? With everything that's been going on, I'm sure you've encountered your colleagues on the Republican side. Has there been a furthering apart between the lines of Democrats and Republicans having the ability to work together statewide? What have you witnessed personally in terms of the toxic environment we've been in the last four years and how it's impacted your role to be able to advocate progressive principles and democratic ideals to the other side? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, looking back on it, we've been in a very hyper-partisan state for over two decades now. And, um, you know, uh, it got escalated with the Tea Party. Um, it got, you know, taken to a new height with Trump. Um, and so, you know, I think that there are, um, you know, and also how we draw our districts, right? How gerrymandering is, especially in a state like Florida, where, you know, we're drawing these lines to where a lot of these elections are won in primaries. 
on both sides, do it that a Democratic could control as well. And so what that does is that, you know, there are less states that we call, you know, toss up or competitive districts where, you know, the voters are really having a choice. In some elections, you know, only the Republicans uh, or Democrats pick, pick the representative and you have, you know, 60 percent of the of uh, the rest of the district that never really has an opportunity to have their voice heard. And so what happens in that situation, Jason, is you get extreme um, people on both sides that is very hard to find a compromise or middle ground. And then also in a state like Florida, you know, we're in the minority in the legislature now for almost, what, 26, 27 years. You know, we haven't had a governor, Democratic governor in 20 years. So I find it always cute when Republicans talk about all the issues going on and how they're going to change it when they've been driving the bus for almost 30 years. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, you know, it's like, oh, we're in a ditch. Oh, we got to figure out how to get out of this ditch. You know, yeah, you drove us into it. (laughs) And now you're trying to blame the person that, you know, in the back saying, hey, you shouldn't take this turn. You shouldn't take this turn. Uh, and so partisanship has has obviously been inflamed. I will say personally, not so much from like my Republican colleagues. I mean, I, I like on the other side that run campaigns, I have good relationships with most of them. Right. And they, they see this for what it is. And uh, I will say personally, it, it has been very different, you know, with Obama and McCain, with Obama, Romney, I can still have conversations with my family. You know, I was raised in Polk County. On my mom's side, I'm, I'm the black sheep of the family. Um, I'm the only Democrat. <laughs> and, and, you know, it has been extremely difficult to have conversations or to be civil because it's become so partisan. And, and I think that is, that is my biggest takeaway for the last four years of, of just being able to have that civil conversation to get through all the noise, to to not make it so personal, and and, and it, it's difficult. And so I think it, you know Thanksgivings uh, this year might be a little bit more rancor than usual, especially depending on the outcome. Um, but people get very passionate about the politics and religion, and those are things that if they become extreme, um, can really bleed over into other aspects of life. And and I think that's that's the saddest part that I've seen in the last four years. What's scary for me is to think that Trump's base is originally like 40, you said 46 percent. That's a lot of the electorate that he has captured. And what I would ask you is, how do you think it's going to go for them? Like you said, relatives of people that you haven't talked to in a while, because and there's a lot of people I know that have had that happen where they stop talking to family members and friends or acquaintances or coworkers because of their differences of opinion between Trump versus Biden or viewpoints or whatever. How do you yeah. think that's going to go going forward yeah. for, for the other side? I, I think, well, one, uh, if I can just correct you real quick, his base is really about 38% of the electorate. And then okay. you've got those that people that blow over. <laughs> and, I, and I say that his yeah. base is because he's never really gone under that number on approvals, regardless of what he's done. I mean, he could walk, like he said, like he said multiple times, he could walk in the middle of uh, Fifth Avenue and shoot someone in the head and still have 38% of the vote. And so that's just who they are. I think you also have a, a cult of personality that you don't necessarily saw on the other side or with any other candidate. Like, no, no doubt. I mean, I love, I love Barack Obama, and um, I was one of his fierce supporters. I don't have a decal and flags everywhere on my house or in my boat 
right? Or, or, or like anywhere I walk, I have a hat and T-shirts. Like there's this cult of personality around him, right? Yeah. And that's very dangerous. And I, I hate to throw out, you know, historical names of, of brutal dictators, right? But you get a sense of that. Right of people becoming that cult, a personality around a particular person, where reason goes out of the door, and no matter what they're saying, is the end all be all. And that's why this fake news, liberal media came out. Anything that came negative against him, it was his way of be able to disregard it, or or put it out of his supporters' mind as false, negative, not true. And so. You know, there, that 38 percent is going to be an issue post-election if Donald Trump doesn't give some type of concession speech and acknowledge this full transition. If he comes out and says this election was stolen, this was rigged, I was bamboozled, then we're going to have problems. And when I say problems, I mean like violent problems, like his, mm -hmm. his supporters and his base will will lash out and and I, I don't even i'd even hate to predict what that would look like but it wouldn't be good uh you know scary thought and and, we're, and then you're looking at things like law enforcement military you've got armed militia i, I don't want to go that direction i'm hoping it doesn't even go there you know for our purposes and, yeah. and for everything we've been through already this year has been turbulent enough i think most people are so exhausted aside from i mean even if people have just been social distancing and not doing much their whole everyone's lives been impacted by this pandemic on, on such a, a gross magnitude. And like you said, if he was to stand up in one of his rallies in 2016 and said, I could kill indirectly through my gross incompetence, 228,000 people and still possibly get reelected and nothing would happen to me. I think that people would have, it, I, I don't think we would be in the situation we're in right now, but you know, I think what is it? Someone's dying statistically every 90 seconds they're saying now from COVID or COVID related yeah. deaths. And it's hard for me. I, I actually think it's hard when you have people in different media bubbles. You know, we have probably you and I probably watch similar things, it sounds like. And then you have other people who watch strictly like Fox News or OAN or any of that kind of stuff. I, I tune into that stuff just to get the outside viewpoints. I don't buy into it. But like, for example, remember the Women's March the day after Trump got elected, I think it was, or the day of the inaugural? I think it was after, day after. I remember I was shocked when I was watching coverage of the march. And you had CNN and MSNBC covering it, and Fox News didn't have anything about it. They were just, like, whispering about it. And I was like, how do you change the, the narrative so badly like that, to distort things so tremendously, you know? Your role. Let's get, let me ask you this. Talk to me about your company, your website, and if anyone in our audience was interested in learning more about what you do professionally now, how they could reach out to you. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I started almost three years ago now, Statecraft Digital. Um, and what we do is we provide services for our clients on digital platforms to be able to get their, their message um, out to voters um, or influence, um, you know, uh, public opinion. Um, and the reason I started a digital platform is, believe it or not, that, you know, politics is still somewhat antiquated from using tactics of direct mail, uh, TV, broadcast, uh, you know, these mediums that, yes, while they still have some effect, um, are not where the majority of people are now consuming their information, 
right? The majority of us get their information from their cell phones in some level, their 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 iPads, their their computers, and so you know we and I decided to start this firm for us to be able to leverage the tools that are out there to be able to get get in front of voters and get get our our clients' message out. And so we've had a lot of success in the last three years. Um, we built a great team um, here at Statecraft, and so we're very excited not only for what's going to happen in five days, but also beyond that. And uh, so, yeah, we do everything from branding, website design, you know, digital advertising, ad creation, digital fundraising, email marketing. So um, we, have a, we have a great team that's very capable. And uh, so it's, it's exciting times. Great. We're running low on time. If somebody is listening in our audience and they're a younger person right now, let's say they're in high school, possibly going on to college, what recommendation would you give to them based on your personal experience if they're interested in pursuing a similar career path like yourself, what they should do? Yeah, so I think if they want to get into politics and they want to, you know, see what it's like intern or volunteer for a campaign, and that will give you a very good idea of, of what you're getting yourself into. Um, there's really two sides. Obviously, there's the policy side of this, and then there's the campaign side of it. And some people float in between. Some people stay on the policy side because they love it, and some people just stay in the campaigning world because they love it as well. And so if you're in high school or you're in college, one of the first things I would recommend is, like I said, join a campaign or, or go work for or, or volunteer for a candidate that you believe in or go intern uh, in someone's legislative office. And there's a lot of ways to, to, to do that. You know, feel free to, to, to reach out to me. And I always like helping uh, younger folks uh, get a start in this. Um, that's one thing that we are always looking for is talent, um, bright young individuals that, that want to make a difference in the, in the community. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunity out there. This is something you care about. And then if, you, if, you, if there's something you want to make a living with, you know, I recommend, you know, if you're looking at what to do for degree, you know, c- communications or psychology. Believe it or not, Jason, I think psychology is, is one of the most underrated degrees for political, <laughs> political work. I mean, I would, I would hire somebody that had a, a psychology degree before I would like to hire someone with a comms degree, because what we do is we, make sh- we, are, we have to understand how people think, how people process information, what moves people, right? And so, you know, I think if you could be dynamic in that way and, and you want to make this a, a career or profession, you've got to understand, Jason, how people think, how they process information. That's an interesting point you say, you say that because when I got my degree, I did a double major psychology and political science. <laughs> so for me, that's, that's this, even this better. passion in this area reflects all that. Right. I really thank you for coming on, Chris. I really do. I, I appreciate you sharing your insight and I know you're busy. L- last question to you. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Are we going to hear about you being in an elected office, either state, local, <laughs> or federal? You know, that's, that's, that's a, a question I get asked often, you know, am I ever going to run for office? I, I think right now I realize working in politics that I have a bigger impact and reach behind the scenes and getting, you know, great people elected into office than one of say 120 people in the legislature, for example, right? And you know, being able to get a lot of folks that I think um, are able to move our 
our community forward in a progressive way. I'm doing having more of an impact, Jason, than I would if, if I ran for office. I'm never going to rule it out, but at the end of the day, um, I'm very happy with what I do. I, I love the relationships that I'm able to form with our clients. Uh, a lot of them are, are great friendships and lifelong relationships. Uh, I'll tell you this for anybody that's thinking about politics, mm-hmm. when you're in the trenches, you know, with these folks, you, um, you form lasting bonds. And so I think in 10 years from now, I'll still be doing this. Hopefully, you know, Statecraft has uh, grown to a, a nationwide firm. Um, you know, right now we're only in Florida, Georgia, and Michigan, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll be a, a bigger agency by then, and, and helping get more progressive Democrats elected. And so that's hopefully why I am in ten years. I have a hunch you probably will be in some type of elected office <laughs> down the road. That's just my that's my prediction. Let's see if I'm ever right. <laughs> I've been told sometimes <laughs> you, never know, you never know. You never know. Maybe happens. when I retire. Maybe when I retire. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for sharing this insight. And I appreciate it. I know our audience appreciates it. Uh, If you ever want to come back on to discuss anything political with us, I would love to have you on because I think with a Biden administration, we're going to see things change. There's going to be a lot of transitional things that we have to go through as society and come to come to grips with. And I I just think that it's such it's, it's a reassuring thing to have you in the trenches helping with getting these important viewpoints presented and helping people get elected and running campaigns and all that. I just thank you for making that your life passion. We we deeply appreciate having you involved in doing everything you're doing. Yeah, this is a great conversation, Um, Jason. I appreciate being on. Sorry for a little bit of the rambling from here and there, but there's a lot to very complex questions or complex answers to your questions, but I appreciate being on and, and uh, go vote people if you haven't already. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you, sir. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. I just want to thank Chris for coming on to the show. I, with the election coming up in five days and having Chris with his schedule to airmark an hour to talk to us is is a great pleasure and an honor. When you look at everything that's going on right now, and Chris brought up some, uh, I mean, ton of valid points. Uh, Amazing to have the insight from someone who's actually in the trenches there's just so much that's going on, so much that's at stake with this country and our, our, our lives. It, it, it's something that we have to take account of. With all the fearful ideas, like all the fear that's been peddled by Trump and all these shadowy circumstances, I'll say this. I have a lot of confidence in our political system. I have a lot of confidence in our legal system. We had extreme periods of time in the past. I think back to McCarthyism in the 1950s, while I didn't live through that era, that was a time period where you had a populism type thing occur and you had Senator Joe McCarthy uh, create witch hunts in Congress about anti-communist tendencies within communist infiltration in our country. And the reason I bring that up is just something to keep in mind. We are living through some scary times, but I believe that the soul and will of the American people will overcome this and will do so in the most basic and extraordinary manner possible, voting expressing our views, expressing our voices. That's how this is going to start to change and change in the right direction. I believe going forward, yes, we're going to have hurdles. We're going to have stuff from this year that's going to carry over into the next several years that we've got to address like the pandemic and race relations and women's rights and the right to abortion and all these other things. But at the same time, I think we can do that. We, it's an incremental thing that we do as a society when we make changes, but I know it's possible. And the first step for all that to occur is for each of you listening to this episode to take it upon yourself to have a plan and vote 
If you have to go in person at this point to drop off your ballot, if you've got to go in person and vote on Tuesday, vote because your viewpoint is the most important that we need right now. And we're relying on each of you to vote. And that's how, how critical this is. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If anyone would like to reach out to me, you can reach out to me through social media. You can also email me at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. I appreciate you tuning into this episode. And as always, be safe and be kind to one another. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Are you looking for that perfect gift to express your appreciation for your loved one or bestie? Well, look no further. Royal Susie offers one-of-a-kind designs with genuine high-quality crystals, stones, and the most precious of metals that are guaranteed to satisfy the urges of your inner king or queen. Each piece is handcrafted with love and is sure to inspire and captivate all. Indulge yourself by visiting Royal Susie's website at www.royalsusie.com for splendid items like agate bookends, impressively crystal-studded bottle stoppers, and beautifully handcrafted nightlights that will charm every room in your home. Royal Susie's featured collections will truly delight your guests and always make them feel welcome. Any questions? Contact Royal Susie directly by email at royalsusiedesigns at yahoo.com. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. Electric acid.